A few announcements. First, if you have not yet picked up your child's confirmation certificate and picture, uh, they will be available for you in the narthex after Mass. We won't be able to hold on to those much longer, so we do ask you to please pick them up soon. Now, this Friday begins the annual Novena to the Holy Spirit that leads to Pentecost, and you are encouraged to join in that nine-day period of prayer in preparation for Pentecost. Finally, be aware that Mass on Saturday, May 27th, will not be a normal Saturday evening Mass, but will be an extended vigil Mass with extra scripture readings to observe Pentecost. This Mass is styled to be somewhat like the Easter Vigil and as a special way to conclude the Easter season. That's Saturday, May 27th. The Gospel passage for this Holy Mass comes from the Lord's final discourse at the Last Supper, as he is preparing his apostles and disciples to understand that the fulfillment of his saving mission means he must leave them. The Lord speaks about a progression, or we might say a maturation, in what motivates the disciple to follow him. When we first begin following the Lord, when we first begin conforming ourselves to the Christian way of life and fitting into the society of the Lord's church, perhaps it can feel as if we are mostly dealing with external motivations. Maybe it's especially true for those of us who grow up from a young age being a disciple or being in the church. It might feel as if discipleship and faith are just another set of the many rules that good parents place upon children. And let's be clear, external rules and motivations do have a good purpose, especially when when one is honest about our fallen human nature. We need some external factors to motivate us. When conversations occasionally come up with an adult and an adult mentions seemingly enlightened ideas about not imposing religion on a child, but letting him make up his own mind when he's older, I like to respond sort of tongue-in-cheek, well, then by the same logic, you're going to let them hang out at a crack house, right? To let them make their own decisions. The obvious answer is no. A good parent knows better than a child. And a good parent makes rules and makes decisions for the child while also hoping to show the child the reasons for those rules and expectations so that the way of life is not merely superficial or external. And that really should be all the more the case for us in the spiritual life with faith and religion, not only having the rules of life, but hopefully modeling them and demonstrating them in a way that shows the reasons for them. The gospel speaks to us about what ought to motivate a disciple in his following of the Lord. The Lord reveals that the motivation ought to be interior to the person and not merely exterior. It's important that we mature as disciples such that our belonging to the Lord and our living as members of his body in the church is not merely due to rules or merely external. In fact, Whereas we might begin our journey as disciples with quite a few external expectations to follow, those external rules should serve to help us grow in such a way that we meet the Lord in an ever more personal way in order that our motivation becomes 
internal, interiorized, in order that the motivation becomes the maintaining of the relationship with the Lord who loves us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, says the Lord. The interior motivation to follow the Lord, the interior motivation to keep his commandments, should flow from an indwelling of God himself in the person of the disciple. And this is the good news that the Lord promises in the gospel today. Jesus is God, the second person of the most blessed Trinity, who has come to be with his people. He has taken on flesh and come to be one with us at our very side, walking the earth as a brother. And that's what the term advocate we heard in the gospel means. It's one who stands at your side to guide and to defend. And so with good reason is this term advocate often used in other languages to refer to a lawyer who stands at your side to defend you. Notice what Jesus promises in the gospel. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. It seems clear that the Lord is not referring to himself, but obviously to another, who will be sent to his disciples as they mature. He goes on to make this even more clear when he says this other advocate is the spirit of truth. Whereas the Lord is the advocate who has taken on our flesh, this other advocate will be different. This other advocate is the spirit. And what this means is that this presence of God the spirit can take up dwelling, not only alongside disciples, but within them. Jesus, existing in physical flesh in a human body, cannot dwell within us, within another body. But his very being as God with the Father can come and take up interior dwelling as another advocate. The world cannot accept this advocate because being spirit, the world cannot see it, and so the world does not know it. But for the disciple who grows in maturity, in the life of grace, notice that the new advocate will not only remain with his disciples, but, Jesus says, he will be in you. And so the life of a maturing disciple begins to take on something of the life of the Trinity. The Lord says, I am in my Father, and you are in me and I in you. With this idea of the other advocate who is the indwelling spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, I think it is good to notice how the church has practiced this progression in the disciple from exterior to more interior Christian life. From the earliest days of the ancient church, we see this progression on display. In fact, that progression was mentioned in the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, which described for us the progression that needs to take place from faith leading to baptism, leading to reception of a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. What does Acts of the Apostles show us? In the passage we heard this morning, the deacon Philip went to the city of Samaria, and he had authority to preach and to baptize. 
He did so very well, and apparently many in Samaria accepted the faith and became Christian. But notice the progression, the maturation that happened next. The reading told us, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who went down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for it had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not realize this at first, and it can be very easy to read and sort of skip over the full meaning in this passage, but this passage gives us a window into the life of the early church. It actually shows us the practice of what came to be called and what we now call the sacrament of confirmation. Notice the progression and the practice of the church from the beginning. One person might have authority to preach and to baptize, in this case the deacon, but it was the apostles, those with priestly authority, who were sent to come to new disciples to aid their initiation, not with water this time, but with the laying on of hands for the reception of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we see there is a distinction, two distinct movements, we might say, in becoming a disciple. There is baptism first, but then the laying on of hands for the Holy Spirit. This progression was the practice of the church from ancient times, and it is a progression that should still be a priority in our lives too. Now, you certainly can note that we don't see the word confirmation in this passage, or in other scriptures for that matter, but the reality of confirmation is there. It is a special gift of the Holy Spirit that can only be given by the apostles and their successors, and it is given by the laying on of hands. Confirmation was rejected by some of the Protestant reformers since they claim it was not in the scriptures. But we practice today the same faith received by the apostles and handed on to us. With the lesson of progression and maturation in the faith in mind, and with the promise from the Lord that the spirit of truth will dwell within us, we need to make receiving the sacrament of confirmation a priority in our lives. You may know well that we take on large effort each year to prepare our youth to be confirmed and for non-Catholics who enter the church through RCIA. But I want to give special admonition to adult Catholics who are here week after week and who perhaps missed confirmation earlier in life. Each year we also offer a special formation period for adult Catholics to prepare for confirmation. And if you've not been confirmed, then you should make it a priority to get in touch with us, to contact us and get involved with the next adult formation opportunity. It happens at the end of the summer as we turn into the fall. Our progression as disciples is important. For those not yet confirmed, you benefit by receiving the presence of God to dwell within you and to motivate your life as a disciple. For those of us already confirmed, We seek constantly to be renewed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit already given so that we may keep the Lord's commands more perfectly 
not based on external rule only or with superficiality, but to keep the Lord's commands because we love him.